There we go. That way I can load it up online later. I have to tell you a quick story because if, I, if I'm up here and, and you see me and I'm not raising my hands too high and I'm not moving too quickly, there's a reason for that. For this past week, I actually started working out again. <laughs> yes, and I know my wife will be thrilled to hear this. The thing that's sad about it is I'm sore and all I'm doing is walking and doing 25 sit-ups and 25 push-ups a day. How sad is that when you're in pain after something like that? Although there is good news. I have already lost 10. Of course, I'm counting in ounces. Okay? Because it will seem like more, and that's very encouraging to me. So there's a trick for you. If you're trying to lose weight, if you're really working hard at it, count in ounces. Because if you count in ounces and the rest of the world is counting in pounds, then it's going to make you feel better. And uh, I, I am half kidding. But, uh, um, but it is interesting how when we, when we try to develop a new habit, that it's difficult. right? I, I remember thinking... Well, as spring comes, I'm going to start jogging. I'm going to start running. And praise God, I didn't actually say that out loud because I wasn't committed to it since I didn't say it out loud. But I did start walking with my wife. And then Yvonne, she like rides her little what, whatever that thing is, scooter thing. And, and so we did start doing that. And after we had been doing that for about a week, I thought, thank you, Lord, because if I would have started running, it would have been so much harder. <laughs> now that I'm walking, I'm starting to use muscles that I don't always use. And I know this sounds ridiculous, right? Walking, right? Well, we walk about two miles. We try and do it every day. And, and, and the thing that's interesting is, is you start getting your body accustomed to something, then taking it to the next level. So the next level, hopefully, is running. Ooh, I did say that out loud, didn't I? That's recorded. Yeah. Yes, it is recorded, and, and, you know, praise God by 2020. No, I'm kidding. But we take things to a next level, right? That's developing a habit. It really works the same way with our walk with Christ. So often when we go into something, we go into it diving in, full bore. You know, I'm, I'm so excited, especially young people. They tend to do this. Dive in, because I was this way. Dive in, full bore, I will give it everything I have, nothing else matters. And then what happens a few months later, six months later? Find yourself right back to where you were, right? Oftentimes it's because we don't take things in the level that God gives them to us. You know, if God, if, if, you, if you've studied the Bible at all, you understand that you can read a passage one time and then go back a year, you know, or months later, whatever, after you've grown in that time frame, reread that same thing, and all of a sudden it's saying something so much deeper than it did before. What happened? Did the words shift on the page? Did, did something change in my Bible? I mean, it, it is a digital Bible, so I suppose that's possible. But did something physically changed there? No. Something changed in me. 
That's what happened. Something changed in me to where I was able to receive more of what the Lord had for me. Now, I've been studying the Bible for over 40 years. I've been teaching it for over 25. And I can tell you that even now, even last night, as I was reading, I'm reading things that I'm getting that I never got before. And it blows me away. It really astounds me that there is no finish to God's depth. It doesn't matter. I, I, suppose, I suppose in the Bible there is a finish. Two people, I presume, found it because the Lord just finally took them. It was Enoch and Elijah. You know, Enoch walked with God so, so intimately. God just said, you know, you're here all the time anyways. Why don't you just stay? Right? Okay, but apart from those two that I believe are held for something coming, apart from those two, then what does it mean to draw closer to God? You know, we draw closer to him in steps. I think a few weeks ago I used an illustration, or it might have been a few months ago, I can't remember anymore, but of stairs, right? As you grow in your faith, you take that next step up. Well, when you take that next step up, your body accustoms itself to that step. And then you take the next step. If you take a step and you're wobbly and you lose your balance and you're not sure-footed, what happens? You fall. You fall and you fall back down those steps. And hopefully you weren't up too high when you fall down. So each step that we take, I want you to picture that in faith. I want you to picture that in your intimacy with Jesus Christ, your relationship with him. Every step that you take, it's important to be sure-footed. It's important to come to a place where you understand where Jesus has you. Now it's interesting because there are times where you can run up those steps. There are other times that you can't. And God knows those steps that you need to take. And it's all about faith. You know, in a step, I used to be a builder in a step. Anybody in a, a builder in here knows what I'm talking about. There's a rise and a run. Right? The rise is the height of the step. The run is the length of the step. And any builder knows that there, there are codes to which you have to, to build those at least a minimum two. And they have to be equal. See, God knows in your life how those steps need to lay out. And he knows in your life there's going to be a set of steps that you can run up. See, I, I'm familiar because I, I can see. I could turn a light on and I could see this path. I could see these steps. So God, I'm going to trust you and I can move faster up these steps. But then there are those that we come to that are a little more difficult. We have to step on them. We have to get our balance. We have to understand what does God have for me in this step? And all of those steps are based on faith. I want you to think of that rise, the, the height part of the step, as faith. Because whatever that step is, it's going to require faith to get there. You can't just get there without faith. 
And that faith is what you do when you step up there. That faith is what you center yourself on when you're on that step. I want to give you an example of a failed step. Okay, Peter. When Jesus was walking on the water, and and Peter said he knew that was Jesus, and he said, Jesus, let me come to you. Jesus said, come on. Peter jumped on that first step. And actually, he took a few steps, right? He jumped out of the boat. He started to walk to Christ, but he took his eyes off Christ. He became imbalanced on that step of faith. He did not finish that step. He started to look at what was around him. He started to look at the world. He started to look at the dangers surrounding him, and I I just cannot wait to get to heaven to talk to some of these people about some of these things that were in the Word of God, because we we read it, you know, just just so calmly. Because, see, I, I would dare say that it was probably a lot worse than what we think. This was a storm, Right? Oftentimes we read in the Bible about a storm, and oh boy, that was a big storm, and they were scared. I don't know about anybody in here that is a professional sailor, okay? but these guys were professional sailors, and it was a problem for them. You can imagine what, what Peter was dealing with in this. So sometimes those steps are scary. And if we're not ready for those, if we don't balance ourselves where we are and take the step in faith, take the step knowing what God is calling us to do, then we could find ourselves falling further back than where we were in the first place. That's dangerous. So, so see, God wants you to increase in faith. But he never wants you to take a step that he has not called you to take. See, that's huge. Because oftentimes we take our Christianity into our own hands. And, and we, we decide, well, here is my path. And I, I, I'll tell you this because I've lived it. Where this is my path of my Christian walk. I, you know, I've learned things in the Bible. I, I, I know the word of God and intellectually... You know, I can sit down with, with, with the best of them and just have a discussion and be able to talk about all kinds of topics. So, God, I, I know my path. Because you laid it out for me. I know my path, and, and there's the end game, and here's how I'm going to get there. Oftentimes, we think that way. And Jesus just, I can imagine him just sitting there and saying, okay, if that's what you think. That's awesome. You're choosing a path that's going to be a little tougher for you. But that's okay because he loves us and he guides us. But see, a better choice would be to let God show us each step. But then there's there's a downside to that too. When he shows us each step, then oftentimes... Every time we're ready to take a step, we come to a challenge. It's actually going through with our faith. 
See, I think there are things in your life right now. I know there are things in everyone's life right now at whatever level that God has been working on you for. He has been telling you time and time again. But see, sometimes we don't hear it or we don't listen because he's taken us on a different staircase than the one we wanted to go on. Or maybe... We're, we're, at a, we're at a plateau. You ever go up a staircase where, where you go up to like a, a level that's level, and then you go up another staircase? Well, maybe you're on a level that you're comfortable with. I like this level. There's a couch. You know, it's comfortable here. It's not too high. I don't need to need, be near the edge. You know, I, I, I like it here. My, my bedroom's on this level. I don't want to go up. And Jesus says, that's not my path for you. My path is never for you to stay still. Do you understand that? Never for you to stay still. You are always to be growing in him. That's why even after 42 years, I can open the Bible and I can read something and it's brand new to me. It's like, God, you keep putting these new verses in here. You keep putting these new bits. What is this? It's because he keeps it fresh. There is a depth in his word. There is a depth to Jesus Christ that he wants to continue taking us to that we will never outlive. We will never get to that point where we got it. Right? And each one, each level requires that step of faith. What is your step of faith? What is that next thing that God is telling you to do? How do we find that? Oh, we simply believe. You know, he gave us a roadmap. He gave us the word of God detailed to the point where it helps generally, but it helps specifically. See, God didn't just give us you know, like like we all use a dictionary, right? And we can all use the same dictionary to come to the same conclusion about a word, about what a word means. See, the Bible's different than that. It may say physically the same thing in words to everybody who reads it. They're all reading the same translation. However, what the Holy Spirit enacts through it and speaks to us personally can be very different in application. See, because my path may be very different than your path. My calling in my life may be different than your calling in your life. What God is wanting you to do in life, He will take those words and He will apply it to that. And I'm not saying that there aren't generalities in the word. Of course there are. Salvation, our justification by faith... 100% given by grace. That that is something that's not interpreted per each person. Like, Lord, I'm trying to find my salvation. No, that's generalized amongst the body of Christ. However, there are things as you pursue your intimacy with Jesus Christ, he will begin to show you in meaning in the word of God as it applies to what he's calling you to do. It just never ceases to blow me away. 
See, we can believe him at his word, take him at his word. Why? Because we can trust in his love. I want to turn. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3 and see what the Lord has for us here. 2 Timothy 3, Paul is speaking to Timothy. This is Timothy's, Paul's second letter to Timothy. He says this, verse 1, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, or gossip. That means gossip. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, he's describing all kinds of people in the world. All kinds of people that we have interaction with every day. He is describing these people. Verse 5. And this is probably the toughest one. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. See, you can believe and God without having the power of God. And he's talking about people that deny his power. They have an appearance of godliness. Now here you could take this a couple different ways. You could take this as the world that, that's not saved. And, and, but yet they put on a good religious front. You can also take this in part. There are Christians that believe the same way. They don't believe in the power through the Holy Spirit. They don't believe that it's for today. See, that was me for 40 years. Even though I knew Christ, I was saved, I grew in Christ. I denied his effective power here on this earth. I never saw it. I never believed it. Because I believed what he gave us was everything he wrote down here. See, I became stuck on one of those plateaus, on one of those landings. And I wasn't even close to being up the stairs where he wanted me to be. It takes faith to step outside of ourselves in trusting him. It says, avoid such people. Verse 6, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led them astray in various passions. And then verse 7 is another key. They're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Sometimes we get stuck in those ruts as well. 
In order to grow in Christ, I, I just need knowledge. And, and believe me, everything I'm telling you today, I am telling you from personal experience. I used to, this was years ago, 20, 20 some years ago, 22 years ago, I was teaching a, a adult Sunday school class. That was back when I was in Baptist church. And I was teaching a Sunday school class. We had about 100 people in the Sunday school class, and I was teaching it. And for me, instead of praying, Lord, fill me, use me, put your words through my mouth, see, I felt, wait a second, I, I need the knowledge so I can just present the knowledge. Now, I'm not saying what I was doing was bad. Okay, I, I, I want you to understand this. There's a difference here, and it's subtle. But, see, what I was doing was not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Even when you read the Word of God yourself, when you open up those pages and you begin to read, you can read just to retain knowledge. See, that's what I was doing. I thought, well, what are, what are some people's buzz points? You know, well, everybody likes the future stuff. You know, everybody likes the beginning stuff. That's pretty much where I, I, I spent two years teaching on the first six, six chapters of Genesis. That's crazy. And by the, way, by the way, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot through that in just teaching it. Also, I seemed to upset some people too. But nevertheless, I was teaching that through the knowledge that I gained. Was that knowledge good or bad? Well, of course it was good. See, it's not about gaining knowledge and that being a bad thing. And no, I don't want to gain knowledge. I just want to lay here and let you just fill me. It's not that. The knowledge was good. It's the application of that knowledge. If it is only knowledge and stays knowledge, it doesn't do a whole lot for you. It certainly doesn't do a whole lot for the people around you. But when that knowledge becomes a piece of you because of faith, it makes a whole lot of difference. It makes all the difference in the world. See, now when I study Revelation, it's different for me because it's not just black and white on paper. Well, this is what's going to happen one day. See, now when I study Revelation, I, I see it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit as he reveals it to me. And it gives me a picture of what's going on right now in heaven. See, we don't have to wait until we're in heaven. That's why Christ said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't have to wait to get to heaven, to experience heaven and Jesus Christ. But there's a, only one type of fuel that will get us there. There's only one type of fuel that has to be present in your life that will get you to that point of intimacy where heaven comes down to where you are. And that's faith. If we were all to grow in our faith, to open up ourselves in such a faith walk that God could do anything he wanted, what do you think he'd do? 
See, I could tell you what he would do. I could tell you what he's going to do. He's going to fall on this church. Holy Spirit is going to fall on this church in such a way that we have never seen. Why? Because by faith, we're inviting him to do just that. You know, for three years, you know, I, I'm like you guys, okay? This, this whole pastoring thing, this is new to me, okay? I'm like you guys. I was a businessman and loved it. That's what I did. Even though I've done ministry my whole adult life, I always was able to do it on my terms because I made my own money. And I, I thought, that's cool. That's what Paul did. <laughs> I missed the other part of what Paul did. You know. But I come from the same perspective. I, I understand that it's really easy to compartmentalize our walk with Christ and our lives. It's really easy to do that. Because, see, we come out of Sunday, and Sunday was such a great experience. And, you know, I felt close to you, the Lord, and, and, and I heard from you, and I was so excited, and everything was great. And then I get to work Monday morning, and my boss yells at me. Just says I'm worthless. And, wow, everything changed. Now I begin to go through some tough things until the next time I could get to church again. And we compartmentalize things. See, we think that the God of Sunday is not powerful enough to be the God of Monday. When we are before things that we cannot control, that we cannot handle, that we don't understand. Perhaps it's with family. Perhaps it's with friends. Whatever circumstances it is, it doesn't matter. Why do we not feel that the God of Sunday is not strong enough to be the God of the rest of the week? See, when we begin to know that he is strong enough to handle everything, then we're coming to a point in our faith where we can see him where we can seek the kingdom of heaven here on earth. See, as I said, three years ago, you know, I was in business. I was like you guys. And I was studying, and I was reading the book of Acts. And I had been through the book of Acts, I don't know, 20 times at least before that. So going through the book of Acts, this time I'm... I'm I'm, I'm reading these miracles, and, and see, at that point, three years ago, I was what we call a cessationist. I, w- I was somebody who did not believe that the gifts were for today. I did not believe in miracles. I didn't believe that God wants to work in these ways three years ago. But I remember praying a prayer that at the time I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I knew God was listening. <laughs> but I didn't even know how to believe what I was praying. But I was just so confused reading that and thinking, God, I know we're the church. I know we're your bride. We are the body of Christ. But why don't I see this church today? Anywhere, by the way. I see forms of it. 
I see pieces of it, but I don't see what I see, what I see in Acts. I don't see where everybody cares about each other so much that there was not another single need within the body. See, I don't, that, that's one we kind of shove aside because, you know, that takes commitment. And I certainly didn't see the miracles that we saw in there. I, I, you know, you can, you can read about them online and you hear about them from other countries. And now that I've been to other countries, I've actually seen things in other countries. But, but even, even some of the miracles we see here, they, they didn't compare. See, they didn't compare to, to a lame person being lame from birth or a blind person being blind from birth now seeing or now walking. See, I've never seen a person raised from the dead. So, so God, was this just for then? And if it was just for then, why, why do you tease us? Why do you put it in your word if I'm not to expect that that will happen here? Why? And I was praying these prayers, not, not, not because I was doubting anything, but because I didn't understand. And what I didn't realize, and you know, sometimes we need to get this. God heard my prayer. God answered my prayer. Have you ever prayed and wondered if God heard you? I think there's a lot of us probably in that place right now. You've been praying for something for a long time, and you're wondering if he's even listening. Well, I can tell you that three years ago I prayed a prayer. I said, Lord, if, if this is real... then let me be a part of it. I want to be a part of the church of Acts. I want to be a part of a church that you did right at the beginning, that there were no boundaries, that there were no bars, that it was completely run by Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit doing whatever he wanted to do. There was none that said no. And the Holy Spirit moved. I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't even realize at the time what I was praying. But you know what? God brought me on a journey. And I didn't even realize this until this week. Tuesday night when we had a prayer team that was praying. There were some things happened there. And God opened my eyes that night to something that was going on. And I began to make a list. I'm continuing to make this list because the list is not yet complete. And this list is, how does this ministry compare to the Church of Acts? To the teachings when Christ was on this earth. By the way, he taught his disciples for three years. Into what happened at the beginning of the church. The beginning of the bride of Christ. I, I'm starting to make this list. And I, I've, got, I've got like 15 things. And they're, they're not small things. They're profound things. 
And it's starting to blow me away. I was praying last night and I thought, could this be real, Lord? Could you actually be answering a prayer that I prayed three years ago that I didn't even realize what I was praying? He said, yes. Believe my word. See, I got it right there. Why don't you believe it? Why do we manage the word of God? Why do we believe what we want to believe because it's comfortable? Or because we can see it? Or because we can prove it? Or because it's happened? Why do we just believe those things and we don't believe the things that he writes in the other passages? Well, that'd be out of my control. And Americans love control. Why is it when I go over to Africa, it's different? And I'm not saying that they got it all figured out either. I'm just saying that we are surrounded and wrapped in a culture that doesn't even realize it limits the Word of God. We don't even realize that we limit the very power that Jesus wants to give us in the Word of God. But we do every day. We do the second we come off of Sunday, go into work on Monday, and our whole world changes. We limit the Word of God when we compartmentalize it into places that we feel comfortable with. Oh, wow. There's one thing I've learned. Jesus really could care less about your comfort. He could really care less about you being comfortable with something happening. He wants to turn that need for comfort into a confidence in Him. I want to tell you something I believe from this. See, I believe that He is building the Church of Acts. I know He's doing it in us. I'm not saying he's doing it just in us. I think he's doing it all over the world. But he's definitely doing it in us. See, so I came to a point where I'm starting, uh, I went through Acts, I think it was two and a half times this week. And I'm going to keep doing it. And Lord, show me, because I'm starting to see things that he was doing there that now I am expecting on a very literal scale. See, I know that justification and salvation is different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know because of that, I know that I have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I share that with you as your pastor. And not that I haven't sought it. I have. I've had some of the greatest preachers in the country lay hands on me and pray over me. See, I, I used to be really distraught from that. I remember the first time Charles laid hands on me. He was the first one then Wesley, then Stacy, then Cheyenne, then some others. Couldn't figure out why 
It wasn't happening. See, because it's a physical thing. It's not something that happens and you wonder, well, did that happen? See, when I read Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit fell, not only did that person know it, the whole surrounding area knew it. They heard such a commotion, they came running. They saw it happening. Acts 2 said he came like the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And he fell on each one there, 120. And then what began, began to happen was certainly out of their comfort zone. Guaranteed. But look at the result of what happened. See, the Holy Spirit fell. There was a baptism of the Holy Spirit right there. And within hours, 3,000 were added to the kingdom. Wow. See, why can't we take that literally and apply it to us? Because I'm building this roadmap of similarities. And, and I'm, I'm looking down through them and I'm, I'm saying, Lord, please tell me if I can't take this literally for me. See, because I do. When he falls, I know he will come as a mighty rushing wind. It will not be something that you have to guess what's happening. He is going to take over in such a way that it's going to blow us away. It's going to consume every one of us. And it, if it happens in this house, it's going to consume and bring people surrounding us here. They're going to come over to the door and knock. Is everything okay? We heard this noise. We saw this commotion. We saw this wind. What's going on? And then they're going to be affected by it. Just like the people at Pentecost. See that 120, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They were blown away by Him, literally. And 3,000 people got saved that very day. And you know what? If it were over right then, that would have been a great day. But that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Thousands were added. You know, something I just thought of. In Acts, you see him go out to six different areas that they reach. Paul and Peter and the apostles, they go out to six different areas that they reach. Do you know the first time the Holy Spirit spoke to me? August 7, 2014. He listed six areas that ignition would go. Now, I've told you that there's seven areas. He didn't add that seventh area for three months. When he first spoke to us, when he first called us out and spoke to me and said those six areas, that's another comparison to the book of Acts. See, he said to them, you'll be my disciples in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the other most parts of the earth. 
And if you look at where they went within the book of Acts, actually within the New Testament, they went to six areas. Areas of churches. Holy Spirit's coming. Be ready. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what he's going to do because, see, we are in, as, as it said there in 2 Timothy, we are in the end times. And different from how I used to think, I used to think of the end times as some doom and gloom thing. You know, well, we got the Antichrist, and we got this, and we got that, and we got all these things. Everything's going bad. Lord changed my heart on that a couple of months ago. He began to reveal to me that it can't be that way prior to the rapture. Why? Because his bride has to be ready. If you read the Song of Songs, one thing it talks about in there, which that is a picture of Jesus and his bride. And one of the things it says in there is that the bride will be unified when she's ready. See, I don't see us unified. I see pockets of unity. But I don't see the entire bride of Christ unified. But it will be. Can you imagine? We're sitting at the, the beginning of the greatest revival this world has ever seen. See, Joel said it, and then Peter said it in Acts 2, that what's happening is the Holy Spirit will be poured out in the last days. Even more so as the time falls short. By the way, folks, that was 2,000 years ago when he said that. I got news for you. The time is short. Certainly less than 2,000 years. So as we get closer to the end, he pours out more and more and more and more. So why can't we think that we'll see the church of Acts right now? See, he wants us to believe that. That's a tough step to get up. Because you've got to believe that before you can make that step. And by the way, it's not that everybody in here has to believe that. I, I get that people are at different places. But I need you to know that I believe it. I know it. That he is building the church of Acts in this place. I know I'm running low on time. I want to read something to you to close. This, this is a lady. I, I get things sent to me all the time. Different prophecies or, or whatever. This is something, good friend of ours, um, Bryn Sellers. Her, her uh, son, her, her and Jeff Sellers, her son is... He's been, like, deathly sick for the last five years. And we've been praying for him. I go over there quite, quite a bit, and, and uh, I talk to them quite a bit. We pray, and, and, and the Lord's been, he's given me vision that he will be healed, and we're, we're just kind of waiting for this to happen. But every now and then she'll send me things, and she sent me this. 
yesterday. And she said, you've got to read this. She said, this is what you've been saying for months. And this is a lady out of Australia. Her name's Lana Vauser, V-A-W-S-E-R. And I'm going to close by reading this. But as I read this, I want you to picture yourself. I want you to picture what God's doing in ignition. And the role that you play in that. This morning I was in asleep and starting to wake up when I had a dream. I was taken into a room that had two very large pots in them. These pots were bigger than anything I had ever seen. I stood at the base of these two big pots and looked up, and the top of the pot was almost to the ceiling. These pots looked like they had been there for a while. As I looked beneath these pots, I saw fire. And fire was heating up what was inside these pots. All of a sudden, I see these pots begin to tip. Whatever was contained within these pots was being released. First in little bits, and then sudden rushing waves with force and strength. I am standing in this room in my dream, and I am watching these huge pots being tipped over. And the Lord then began to speak to me that inside these pots were prayers of the saints and the Holy Spirit, And joined with the prayers in these pots, and the Holy Spirit had joined with the prayers in these pots, and the overflow had begun. These pots signified a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit being released right now in and through the body of Christ. I asked the Lord about this outpouring because the Lord is very specific that this outpouring was being released now into the body of Christ. I wanted to know what the Lord was doing in this outpouring and why there were two pots. The Lord then spoke to me, I am bringing deliverance and unity to my people. The great outpouring of my spirit that is being released in the body of Christ right now is first bringing deliverance and unity to my people And then will flow through my people into the world. I am freeing my people from slavery and bondage. They are free in me because of me. And I am moving them in the natural into the place of freedom that is already theirs in me. I am breaking yokes of slavery. I am breaking addictions. I am breaking torments. I am breaking hindrances. I am breaking hopelessness. I am going after anything in the lives of my people that they are surrendering and giving to me. And I am bringing them into great freedom. Freedom like they had never known before. An army of free flyers are rising. I am rising up an army of lovers, sons and daughters, those awakened to their identity in me. I am raising up an army of people who know how how loved they are. 
They know who they are. And they know the power and authority they have in me. It's time for my people to fly. It's time to go higher and to live from the heavenly perspective. It's time to shake off all that entangles and to live from your seat with me. It's time for unity. It's time for unity. It's time for unity. The force of my spirit, the tidal wave of my love and power, is breaking down generational walls. It's breaking open hard hearts. It is breaking down walls of division. My people have been divided. No more. It is time for unity. As my spirit moves powerfully through my people, dealing with all that needs to be dealt with, the beautiful aroma of my love and unity will spread across the earth. For such a time as this, my people, all for such a time as this, the greatest move of my spirit in and through your lives is upon you. Stay aligned. Stay in position. Stay close to my heart and watch what I am doing and about to do. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I are one. Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us. And this is out of 2 Corinthians. So that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. So that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. That was out of John 17. Then she goes back and says, I was completely surrounded by the enormity of what the Lord was doing. The sense surrounded me. That the Lord is setting the stage. He is getting his people into place. He is calling his people into position for a great display of his power and authority. It was like the Lord is working behind the scenes for a sudden great display. And unveiling that is before us as the body of Christ. My eyes were still drawn to these two pots as they were tipped and the great outpouring of his spirit was taking place and reviving and awakening his people and moving them into deeper levels of freedom and unity. 
Then the Lord spoke to me again. The reason that the pots are so large is for two reasons. One, because I am moving swiftly and suddenly at a rapid pace and with great force. And secondly, because I am doing right now in the body of Christ, my people will see is the greatest move of my spirit to bring freedom and unity that has ever been seen. As I have sat with the Lord today regarding this dream, I believe that as the body of Christ, we have begun moving into the greatest move of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives that we have ever seen. Anything that has kept you captive, anything that has stolen your freedom, anything that has kept you in slavery, any lies about your identity, keep giving it all to Him because He is breaking through. The fire that was under those pots, the fire of His love, has taken every prayer, every seed sown, and things have been heating up and now is the time for the breakthrough and greater outpouring. The fact that the pots were so old and looked like they had been there a while struck me. And the Lord spoke to me and told me that he is going after promises that we as his people have waited on our whole life, it feels. Long periods of waiting are turning into suddenlies. Areas of captivity for years and generations are being broken in this season. Years and generations of disunity. The Holy Spirit is moving in power and breaking down dividing walls to bring unity like we have never known before. Be encouraged, people of God. The greatest move of His Spirit is happening right now into the body of Christ. And then through us. He is raising up an army of free flyers. It's time to unite. And it's time to fly as one. And I want to end that by just saying. It's time to take him at his word. And just believe. Let's pray.